This is The Current Buzz, powered by Oklahoma Electric Cooperative. I'm your host, Autumn McMahon. This podcast is dedicated to helping you learn more about our industry, communities, and the ways we serve them. Education is the foundation on which we build everything. Today, we talk a little bit about what the classroom looks like in the wake of COVID-19 and how we can help. Welcome to another episode of The Current Buzz. I am thrilled to have a very special guest here with us today, Dr. Robert Romines, who is the superintendent of Moore Public Schools. We are thrilled to have you here with us today. Well, thanks for having me. I, I, it's an honor to be here with you today. Well, as we were talking before we hit record, it has been an interesting time to, to be alive, not just to be a, a school superintendent. But I want to start before we jump into how things look different right now. I'd love to start with just kind of an overview of your experience. How long have you been at more public schools? How long have you been in education? And what kind of breadth of experience do you bring to the table? Well, um, I have been, I'm a lifer, or what would can be considered a lifer to more public schools. My parents moved here in 1967, and I was born in 1969, and I've not been anywhere else. So my elementary career began here as a kindergartner. Uh, graduated 1988 from Moore High School, uh, then went on to uh, UCO and uh, got my bachelor's in, in education, went back and got my master's, and then got superintendent certification from UCO and OU, uh, and then finalized or worked on my doctorate um, uh, level and, and attained that before coming uh, becoming superintendent uh, of schools. And I was named superintendent after, after a lengthy, lengthy career, uh, about 18 years in the classroom or in an administrative role at the site as an elementary principal, uh, did some uh, uh, short stints as the elementary ed director, assistant superintendent and personnel, then uh, named superintendent uh, on uh, May 13th of 2013, seven days before the F5 tornado uh, ripped through this community. And uh, so gives gives you a little bit gives me a little bit of perspective in regards to all of the different things that we have faced as a group and a community at, here in more public schools. Uh, a lot of tragedy uh, under my watch, uh, whether it be the, the the May 13th tornado and loss of life of students, and then rebuilding a school district and a community um, that was a, a very uh, uh, not so good way to start as a superintendent, but. Um, all things happen for a reason, and, and I will tell you, it did prepare me for all of the different uh, life events that have occurred uh, over the last seven years. Um, we've dealt with uh, things from uh, loss of staff members to teen suicide to developing mental health components and that type of thing, um, and then all the way to the more high, recent tragedy at Moore High School this past February 3rd with our cross-country runners. So um, then... Four weeks later, we're dealing with COVID-19, and so um, I, I don't know any different other than, uh, you know, each day is a different day, and that fortunately for me, I've got a great team that works around me, and, and, and we, we face those challenges, and, and we've, done a, we've done a really good job uh, in getting from point A to point B, no matter what we've been faced with. Amen to that. I mean, and you, you hit the nail on the head when you talk about the challenges facing education in general. So obviously we all know COVID is a challenge, but we are facing uh, funding shortfalls and we are facing uh, a world where it is harder and harder 
to be a kid. Speak a little bit to, and you touched on this already, but some of the challenges that you see affecting kids, affecting uh, more public schools. One of the things that we determined early on, you know, as you all know, we did a distance learning mod, uh, uh, module uh, or model uh, this last nine weeks or the last nine weeks of this, this past fiscal year. And it wasn't just more public schools, it was statewide. And so uh, we, we left in a very, what I consider a crude way uh, with, with our students. Our students left Friday before spring break and they didn't return. And uh, our experience with that and having to deal with, you know, tornadoes that have uh, affected us and uh, us having to end the school year uh, in, a, in an abrupt way. This last situation was very different just due to the fact that it was nine weeks long and our students were at home and they were isolated due to the COVID-19 uh, pandemic and, and that type of thing. And so we immediately started to see um, there was a mental health component there uh, that we were not able to wrap our minds around or our hands around because the students were not in person. Um, so quickly developed a plan with that uh, and moving forward. That was one, one of the many uh, driving forces in regards to the decision making in regards to coming back in person on August 13th. Uh, we were one of the only school districts that did that. We had a lot of different reasons for doing it. Um, again, it was not politically driven. Uh, it wasn't funded. It was a, not a funding issue. It was a matter of getting our students back in the classroom so that we could have eyes and hands on them uh, and, and, and doing what we needed to for them, not only through the mental health component, but also academics. Um, when we started school in August, uh, students had, hadn't been in a classroom for five months. And so there was a lot lost there as far as the academic piece. And so those are some of the challenges that we're faced with right now. We're, we're playing catch up uh, with many of our students. Uh, we're pay, uh, not only academically, but the, the mental health component. And uh, there's, there's a lot of challenges that we're faced with now in regards to COVID-19 and positive cases and contact tracing and going in and uh, determining uh, based on CDC guidelines and Oklahoma State Health Department guidelines, who's quarantined and, uh, and those types of things. So you know, it's not just about academics. As I said uh, earlier, it's about the mental health component. Now it's about um, our administrators and our nursing staff uh, trapping, tracking the positive cases and then doing the quarantining. That The quarantining and the positive cases is a, is a job in, in itself, especially at the high school level when you've got 2,400 students. Uh, uh, those, those are small cities. Um, you know, and so, uh, but we're doing it well, and I, and I feel like we're, uh, I, I don't feel like, I believe we are doing the right thing by having our kids uh, in person. Our staff uh, is working tirelessly from administrators to nursing staff to teachers to support staff to make this work, and uh, very, very grateful uh, to our 2,600 plus employees that are making this happen on a day-to-day -day basis for our students. And, and that's so incredibly well said. I think you hit on something that sometimes I think we pre-COVID neglected, and that is our schools and our teachers and our principals and our nursing staff are quite literally on the front lines when it comes to responding to their needs of students. So making sure that they have food to eat, making sure that if they are in an unsafe family situation, that that's being addressed. And you take that piece out of their lives and they're losing stability and they're losing social interaction and they're quite literally losing food and a safe place to be during the day. And so I think that's remarkably important when we think, uh, again, the world on 
pre-spring break in, in 2020 was different than it is now because you have seen parents who've homeschooled or they've, they've had to, uh, I've heard the term crisis schooling, right? You, you're having mm-hmm. to do virtual school. And I think it has turned the page. Uh, I hope it has turned the page for us in understanding the critical role that our education workforce plays in building a future that we are all proud of and that we want to want to be part of. I, I would agree 100%. And, you know, I've, I've shouted from the, uh, the rooftop for many, many years in regards to all of the hats that our, our educators wear, uh, even pre, pre-COVID. Um, you, you hit the nail on the head when you talked about the food service and uh, the hunger issues that we face, even here in more America, and uh, the, the neglect, uh, the child and spousal, spousal abuse, the, the, the mental health component. Uh, if those students aren't in front of us, we're not able to address and meet those needs. And I do believe uh, that a lot of people's eyes were opened uh, the last nine weeks of this last fiscal year from community members. I think many of our community members understood the value uh, and the effort uh, that our educators uh, uh, put in front of their students and did on a daily basis. But that last nine weeks when parents were at home with their kiddos and sitting down and having to do assignments and doing the Zoom calls and the Zoom uh, lessons with, uh, with uh, five-year-olds, six-year-olds, six year, six-year-olds, and all the way up to senior high, they, they got a small glimpse and a small taste of uh, what our teachers and our administrators and support staff go through on a daily basis. That, uh, that was a very uh, eye-opening experience for me because I heard uh, more so than not uh, community members reaching out and just saying, oh my gosh, we, we had no clue as to what the teachers went through on a daily basis. And they got a really, a really, really uh, good but small picture of what our, what, our, what our educators go through on a daily basis. You know, there's that saying that not all heroes wear capes. And I think so often that that is very true of our, of our teachers and our uh, student support staff and nurses and all of that. I want to parlay what you just said into the needs that, that you guys are able to meet. What needs does more public school schools have right now? What are ways that the community can get involved and to help? Um, you know, I think uh, patience uh, and support are, are two huge things, and those don't cost anything. Um, you know, they uh, just the support piece, we've got to take care of our educators, because like you said earlier, they are on the front lines. Uh, our administrators are on the front lines, our nursing staff, our support staff, uh, support staff, any cafeteria workers, our custodial staff, uh, they are on the front lines, and uh, they are literally uh, moving mountains. Uh, to take care of the the, the 23,000 plus students here uh, in more public schools. So patience goes a long way. Um, you know, used to, I, I would always talk about uh, volunteering and being in the in the buildings and working with teachers and staff. Um, of course, that was pre-COVID-19. And so the volunteer piece um, has been, has been, that's been a, that's been a difficult thing this year. Um, we have a very, very supportive community. Uh, that has always stood up and done what we've asked them to or, or expressed our needs and come in and, and done what they needed to. Substitutes, uh, we, we, are, we are short on substitutes. And so if we've got moms and dads uh, or uh, older siblings that are available and can sign up to sub, it is a paid position, uh, that would be very helpful. Uh, uh, one of the other things that uh, we're short on is uh, our bus fleet, our bus route drivers. And so uh, those of you that um, might be retired and 
uh, would like a, a second income that, that comes along with uh, health benefits uh, and that type of thing. We do have positions open uh, within our transportation department. And of course, you know, we've got a lot of, we've got a, local, a lot of local businesses that have reached out and have really literally stepped up to the plate to help fund some of our technology initiatives for our, our students that are distance learning that might not have Wi-Fi in their homes, might not have a computer or a device. And so we've had uh, several multiple donations uh, in that regard uh, to cover for technology needs. But support patients uh, if you're if you're available to substitute paid position, you're available to drive the bus, you go through the training, we pay for the training, uh, that it uh, could potentially be a second income for someone who might be retired. Uh, and then also it comes with health benefits. So uh, that's that's that would be my biggest ask at this point. And I again want to underscore one more thing that you said is that idea of the school as the hub of the community. And I think we are seeing this and maybe understanding it on a totally different level is that you only have great schools when you have a great community to partner with you and support you in what you're doing. And I think that's what you see in a place like Moore where the community is so deeply invested in the public education system. That is how you have great schools. And I think that that community piece my perception is that that's being felt in a completely new way than it maybe has been historically. That historically we thought, okay, you guys are teachers, you do your work. And now we understand that that is a essential and critical service to the entire community, not just the kids who are coming in and out of your, your classrooms and your buildings. Absolutely. Now, I, uh, the, go no, ahead. I'm sorry. That, that's okay. Uh, the city of Moore uh, and more community in the southwest Oklahoma City. Of course, we serve several different municipalities within our 176 square miles. Uh, and like I said earlier, we uh, this is a very supportive community. I mean, I, literally, I've spent 51 years of my life, my entire life, uh, here in this very uh, spot. And this is home. Uh, and part of the reason why uh, I am still here is because of the community and, and the community support. One of the largest school districts in the state of Oklahoma, but we still have a very small town feel. And uh, so to the point where sometimes people look at more uh, public schools and they don't know how large we are until we sit down and really discuss the numbers and the square footage and, uh, you know, the fact that we have 35 uh, sites elementary through high school. And so it, it is a very supportive community and, and the school district is uh, the heart uh, of this community. And this is one of the reasons why this community continues to grow is because of the school system. But the school system is... Uh, is strong and hearty because of the community in which we sit uh, sit next to. So it goes hand in hand. Absolutely, it's a it's a back and forth partnership. I I love that. Now you called yourself out, and you've been here for fifty one years in Moore. Do you have a favorite haunt in Moore? Something that if someone is coming through, they haven't been here before. Where do they need to go? What do they need to do? Oh gosh, there's so much to do here now. Uh, you know, I look back whenever I was uh, uh, a young kid and um, I literally uh, could walk two miles one way or the other and I would end up at a, at a dirt path or a dirt road. Uh, this community has grown so much, the shopping, the eating, uh, obviously, uh, you know, pre-COVID especially, uh, this, this town was booming, uh, not only more, but Southwest Oklahoma City. Uh, of course, one of my favorite spots in the community are our are, are schools. And uh, I love every one of our schools and uh, we've got uh, many of those are, uh, have created their own families, uh, their own family units within this community. And so there, there's a lot to see here. It's a great place to live and 
um, yeah, it's yeah. There's 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 a ton to see. I don't know that I could just pinpoint it to one thing. Well, you, I mean, you you gave the perfect school superintendent response, which is my schools are are the are the best place. And I will echo that. I mean, when I think back to my own elementary school, my middle school, my high school, it is personal, right? It is a it is a family. It is who outside of your immediate family members, it's who shapes you, informs you, and teaches you how to think and teaches you how to do critical thinking. And I, I have such warm, fuzzy feelings just driving by those buildings. Yeah. I think it is, that point is so well made because I think it really underscores the importance of great educators and great teachers in school systems. What final agree. thoughts do you have for us before we let you go? Well, uh, final thoughts is just a, a huge shout out again and thank you to uh, our, our community. Uh, we've got, we have uh, made a lot of, lot of, uh, a lot of um, great relationships as a result of COVID-19, whether it be the Cleveland County Health Department. Uh, we've got uh, a lot of medical professionals that we rely on as we make decisions and we move forward uh, with um, all of the decisions that we've got to make. Fortunately for me, again, the relationships are deep and mighty uh, in this school district and community, and I don't have to make the decisions all by myself. I've got people uh, in every corner uh, across this district that are helping navigate through COVID-19 and uh, the contact tracing and uh, all the different things that are coming down from the CDC. That stuff changes on a daily basis, and I can't keep up with it all by myself. So uh, very, very proud, again, of this community uh, of, of patrons and guardians and our students and the medical professionals that that walk literally uh, through the fire with us on a day-to-day -day basis. I just I just can't say enough about them. Well, thank you so much for your leadership and helping give our kids some taste of of normal as we return to to life after COVID is what I think we should call it. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Romine. Hey, thank you. If you need anything else from me, let me know. Quick reminder, if you follow us on Apple Podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe there. And if you are a Spotify listener, make sure you follow us so you can get all the current information from The Current Buzz.